It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's the end of season review edition and, and what a season it's been. We're going to look back at this weird and wonderful season. For this podcast, we've got Danny Deegan. How's it going? And Dave Finn. Good evening, everyone. And they're going to take us through the highlights and lowlights, and there's plenty of both <laughs> um, as we try to make sense of the consistent inconsistencies that Connacht have provided throughout the year. But before we do that, there's a couple of pieces of news we need to tidy up as the season finished at the weekend. We've There's been a couple of announcements. Dave, you take the first bit. We've, they've officially announced who's leaving. Yeah, there's nine players moving on at the end of the season. We knew three anyway, and most of the others don't come as a huge shock. Um, we knew Quinn Rue was moving on. We don't know to where yet. Uh, we knew Stephen Fitzgerald, unfortunately, injury had got the better of him, uh, and he was retiring, and we knew that um, Sean O'Brien was going to Exeter. The other six, um, you know, some of these are, are a little unfortunate. Um, I think the two that stand out for me, Killian Gallagher and Colin the Butler, both of whom were progressing beautifully as rugby players, but then injuries just got the better of them. It'd be interesting to see where they go on to. Two other young lads who never quite kicked on, but all have shown a, have shown promise when they played for for us, and that's um, uh, Stephen Kearns and Connor Dean. And then, of course, also the two props, Connor Kenny and Paddy McAllister. And Paddy has announced his retirement from rugby. They're all guys who have contributed to Connacht on the pitch as well as off it. And it's it's never good to see, but it's it's the way of the professional world. It most certainly is. And and one of the names there you mentioned that that was very disappointing to see leaving is is Sean O'Brien, Sean Garrett O'Brien, as he heads off to Exeter. Um, but we appear to have a replacement, Danny. Yeah, we're citing, um he seems to be a utility back from South Africa, uh, Shane Bolton. Um, he's got an Irish passport, which is definitely going to help um, the backline for uh, NC- N- NIQ players. Um, I think he's played 12, 13 and fullback. Um, and he's highly regarded in South Africa, so it might be a bit of a coup for us. It is. He's only young. He's only 20, I think, or 21. Um, quite a young player, so yeah. Certainly has he's got a highlight reel out there that um from his under eighteens, under nineteens tournament last year, the year before, it looks very, very good. And he can kick goals as well. He kicked showed him kicking a kicking conversion from both touchlines on different occasions. So yeah, could be could be a heck of a signing to go along with, with Mac Hansen who's on his way up here as well. So Who did well at the weekend. I saw that the Brumbies beat the Hurricanes uh twelve ten. And that he started on the wing. Very good, very good. Maybe being on the wing and Super Rugby allows you to be a 10 and not <laughs> Rugby, I don't know, but hopefully we'll, we'll wait and see. Right, okay, so I think that's more or less it for the news for now. Um, so let's talk about this mad, mad season that started in, well, I know that there was, there was the August game, so that's last season, we're not going to talk about them. But October, in October we started and, and it, it was classic Connacht stuff, one lost one <laughs> and then two great two games cancelled because of covid so you know you're, you're so it was the start of the inconsistency day wasn't it you're looking at a, a cracking win over glasgow a brilliant win over edinburgh with a dispiriting loss against cardiff in the between times um yeah I, I, the, the first thing we need to say is that glasgow game was the only game that had people at it mm. ironically enough i wasn't able to be one of those people <laughs> so um <laughs> Yeah, it was this typical Connacht. I mean, I, I was thinking about that if you wanted to sum up what Connacht season was like, you only had to look at the, the game at the weekend, the Ospreys game, because it contained some brilliant stuff with the ball and some terrible stuff with the ball. And 
some brilliant, some absolutely heroic, brilliant, brave, um, organ, you know, set defense and, and scramble defense, and some awful set defense and scramble defense. And you just didn't know what was coming next. And that sums up Connacht in October. Glasgow at that time were not in a particularly good place. They've, they've improved as the season has gone on. And we made heavy weather of it. And we were slightly easy to carve through in that game. And then we go to Cardiff and we we we've psychological block on Cardiff. And we weren't even in Cardiff for that game. It's not like we were at the Arms Park or you know, Millennium. We that game was actually played at Rodney Parade. And you were just worried that this was going to be a trend. We notoriously bad at playing away. The win against Edinburgh was unexpected. We were able to carve them, you know, carve them open, but also it was through doing something different. It was little kicks in behind. It was the first time we saw Alex Wooten, but it was just a different style of play. Just 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 on that, like I'm just looking. Um that was that was the first game that we saw Sammy Arnold on the wing. And I remember something that was said in the press conference that they want to get um just guys that want to be there, want, want to be starting, want to mm. just take their chances. That, that was a big thing that was in that press conference that week. And I think Ireland, Arnold scored the first try, or he certainly scored early into the game. Mm. Um, so, so there was a bit of a, there was a bit of an edge to us um, that's come and gone this season. Normally, when we if we win in Edinburgh, it's usually at Murrayfield when you know when you know when there's nobody there. So there was nobody there, and it was at Murrayfield. But Edinburgh are usually playing badly, and Edinburgh have been playing well uh, in the run up to the end of last season as well. And it just it was it it, it was a it was a boost we needed because the Cardiff display had been so bad. It was the best way to bounce back because. At this stage, the season was quite disjointed. You didn't know what games were being played. You didn't know when they were being rescheduled for. Yeah, that that consistency, like that, that you know, we we bounced off that game thinking, right, we've got a couple of very winnable games coming up directly after that, which was that we were supposed to play Benetton at home and Dragons away, and both mm-hmm. of them got cancelled. We still won both of those games. That's a turn They weren't played when they were supposed to be played. But if you look at it, we would have been going into the Scarlet's game had those games been played in their in their location, and we'd won them as we yeah. were. We would have been we would have been one four lost one, but a home game. Yeah. And, you would and also like that 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 Scarlet's game. We we dropped the ball over the line four times. Like that could be down to rustiness. Like we we had a, a two week break where we didn't know what was really happening. But that's you know, sim- but that's symptomatic. I mean, we can't use that. I mean, it's symptomatic of the season. That's what's constantly been. I mean, the way the season has been, and we'll discuss it more as we go on. Is it's very on and off, um, and also <laughs> it's not unique to us. I think we have to we have to be realistic. Oh, absolutely. Every, I think Alan, you because it was only at one stage only one team had completed all their games. I think it yep. was, you know, was back in yeah that was back in March or April. So that's how everybody got, apart from Cardiff, everybody got disrupted. And that's even before we started looking at what was going on with the European games, which is still to come as we move on. Yeah, as yeah. we move on. So, so you know, sorry, Dan. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll move it on there because it's, yeah, yeah. at this stage we're, you know, we're, we're very well, much... I guess we can sit, sit on that and just talk. But we have to say that Scarlet's game, Danny was absolutely... And that was, that was the start of something else that was to become consistent, which was the games that Connacht lost were, the vast majority of them were winnable games. Mm-hmm. that's the crazy but that was the first time especially the home games and that four times over the line dropping the ball over the line that's just I mean we didn't know it's it was going to become a trend <laughs> yeah well like this, this season we had six losing bonus points now mm. I, I am including uh, the Rainbow Cup I'm, keep, I'm keeping that together because um, while 
last season we didn't have as many games, but the season before, um, we actually did have the same amount of games, 21. So I've, I've kept them kind of similar just as a, a comparison. And we can go into that later. But um, yeah, there was a lot of games that we should have won, that we, or we could have won, mm. you know. Yeah, and Scarlet. Scarlet was one of them. And then we went down and bet Zebra. And then we, we did eventually beat Benetton in our home game. So we we, we headed into Europe and an away trip to Racing, which still find very frustrating that I didn't get to Paris to watch that in one of the greatest stadiums of all time. I, I, but anyway. I, I, I wonder if there'd been a Connacht crowd there, would it, would it have made a difference? Yeah, but it's such a banana stadium that I don't know whether a home, whether the Connacht fans would have made much of a difference because it's such a bananas place. Having said that, it was a hell of a performance and we came within two or three metres of causing the upset of practically the whole of European rugby. Yeah, it would have been like we, we were written off going into that. Like we couldn't see how we were going to do it. Now, I'd say there was a bit of, you know, Racing scored three, three tries and they thought, right, yeah, that's it, done. Kind of like they're just going to roll over, um, and I think that's that's something that I've found frustrating is that um, this season there's there's been games where we just hang on, hang on, hang on, and that's how we've ended up winning. As an example, Benetton away, you know, we just hung into that game, and we eventually came up trumps. And there was a few games where we didn't. Uh, I hate to say, it, but the Munster game at home, where there was a bit of a mix up at the back of the scrum, but. You know, I think we. Yeah, let's. We let, let, we'll, we'll come to that. We'll come to that in a minute. We'll come to that in a minute. Let's let's keep talking Europe. Here. Not, We're talking about you know not, really. It's not as far away as you think. We're in December already. It, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's I am. I am aware of that. I am aware, but we haven't talked about <laughs> Bristol. We haven't talked okay, about okay, Pat Lamb coming just, home. We haven't talked about John Muldoon and Pat Lamb walking onto the pitch in the sports ground, and nobody and Conor McPhillips and nobody there to sort of greet them and nobody there to welcome them back. Um, because, uh, you know, I, I don't think the European draw could have been any crueler to Connacht fans than it was. You know, Bristol at home, no fans in the place. Bristol away, one of the best places to go and watch a game of rugby. Certainly one of the best cities. And I always enjoy visiting Bristol. I love flying to Bristol when we go to South Wales and staying there because it's such a cracking place. And then, as we say, harassing. Like, you know, you're talking one of the top teams in, the, in, in Europe and, and probably the greatest stadium <laughs> to experience... Um, and, and we missed it all. Well, we, yeah, but to a certain degree, it's one of those strange ones. Do you want to go for the experience of experiencing European rugby in different places, or do you want to go and experience different places, but also win? I mean, um, I think the reason why so many people remember Prasnodarsk is not just because it is in the middle of Siberia, but also it's in the middle of Siberia and we got a bonus point win on playing, playing in an industrial freezer. So, no, you know, if, if I remember rightly, only people only remember because it was minus 20 and certainly William will never let us forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe there was a laptop batteries freezing as well as phone batteries freezing. So. As, as I said, there is an unbroadcast. There is something that myself and Robert experienced after that game, which came from Russia. And it is, it, it was, it was salt mine-esque, the, the, the level of despair. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. I can imagine. Okay, okay. Let's keep back to the season. Let's let's keep the so, season. We, the Bristol out. game. I think to finish off the Bristol game. I think the yeah. Bristol game was was one of the was the first sign that oh we've got a massive problem in terms of power differential because mm-hmm. even though the scoreline looks like it was a lot closer than it was, Bristol pretty much bet us up. 
and not in a nasty, niggly way that we've seen from some of the Pro 14 teams. But this was a very controlled, very well-executed physical uh, display. Plus, also, they have some great backs. We've seen them. Palantini's gone on to represent Wales, and a number of their boys have been picked up uh, for England. Um, but primarily, that was about a... Not they didn't look. They looked physically bigger, and not all the teams that have beaten us up have looked physically bigger. Bigger, but Bristol did, and it was the first sign of what became a worrying trend about being beaten up up front. Yeah, we did. With, but just just to remember, just to remember that Owen Masterson was playing in the second row. But he played against Racing, and he played against Bristol in the second row, which is you know he did a, he did a brilliant job, but he's not. He's not Quinn Rue. <laughs> no, but I can, the one thing I was I was trying to get there with uh, an earlier point is that there was a belief, there was a desire to just stay in games, and mm. it it would be something small that would just kind of trigger, and we would our heads would dip. And one of the examples in the Bristol game was Bundy getting a yellow card. Bundy got a yellow card, and they just oh, cut us to pieces because all of a sudden, you know, we we were actually keeping toe with them. But as you said, they have so, so many great players and that are internationals now you know if you give them that extra bit of space of course they're going to they're going to cut you to pieces they've been doing it all all year in the premiership but they have players in there who would be say third and fourth in the depth chart who were were first choice for us yes that's the differential yeah and and we're always going to have that that's that's part of who we are it doesn't mean you know and we'll talk about this later on and with regard to some sort of changing of a guard but let's 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 get into the the heavy meat of of Ulster Leinster and Munster and and once again we we plunged the depths we started off brilliantly against Ulster look as though we were flying but managed to pick the wrong end to play against and the wind turned and gave them the advantage that they needed and they showed a hell of a lot more desire at times in that game. You go away to Leinster, have an unbelievable win against nobody thought we could win that game. Then come home to Munster, hang in for the whole game and then make some uh, silly mistake at the end. Yeah. It was it was it was a rush end. it was a rush of the blood to the head. And it that's fair enough. It it, it happens to players. And I think what would be worrying is if we did it again. But I don't think we have. I think we have learned. Hmm. I think if you if you look at the three games as a whole, the, the, the important game, most important game was the Leinster game for two for two huge reasons. One is the most obvious one, which is it's a win against Leinster in Leinster. And I really what slightly irritated me about how that was reported outside of, of Galway and outside of, of the West was there was such a need to play it down. When you actually look through their squad, they still had more cap players starting than we did. So that was a huge game. It was huge in terms of what it meant significantly about winning in Dublin and winning at the RDS and, you know, killing Rob's only story he has with Mark McHugh's drop goal and, you know, forcing him to come up with a new anecdote for the next 20 years. That's a huge moment in rugby as well. Um, But more importantly, it was a win which stopped a run of losses. And that was important in terms of the short term as well. Yes. And then we probably went out and blew the game against Munster. (laughs) Well, we didn't blow the game against Munster. Munster dominated the game for quite a long time when we hung in there. and It would have been absolute daylight robbery. would have been daylight robbery, but the fact that we were there and it's like for me, one of the things I always look for is, is if we are competitive against the other provinces, it means we're going to be competitive in the rest of the, the competition because they are invariably three or four of the best teams out there or in the top three, four teams out there. So, you know, when we're competitive there, then 
become competitive in everything else. Um, and I was I was relatively pleased with that. And then of course the the return games to Bristol and Racing got cancelled. COVID hit yet again. Um, before we it was re- weirdly it wasn't necessarily that COVID hit our games. COVID hit every other game. Well, yeah, every other uh, group. Yeah. And yeah, so I mean, we need to make that clear. It wasn't that there were mad yeah. cases in the Racing Camp and Bristol Camp. None of the games that Connacht cancelled were due to Connacht, even though we had an outbreak of COVID. We didn't postpone any games. Mm-hmm. But we seem to have been affected by outbreaks everywhere else, including in situations where competitions got cancelled. Never mind yeah. games, competitions. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and which which meant that with with those two cancelled games, all of a sudden we were dropped down into the Challenge Cup, which made it our third competition of the year. Um, with the Rainbow Cup going to make it the fourth later on. So, yeah, we're into January, and and, and we have we have a home loss against a very very strong Osprey side who who really did, and it was back to that that feeling that that we had against Bristol and even against Munster at home, that we just didn't have the power to cope with these guys. Um, well, again, I was at that game. I was looking. I saw what Lydia and Tipperidge did to us, and, yeah. and they were superb. Yeah. I can't, I'm can't. i actually looking at the result. Thinking, I thought there was a bigger gap in the result than six mm-hmm. points. I know I felt like there was a bigger gap than six points. Yeah, but I think this comes back to Danny's point. Well, I think I think the, the, the thing about that game was um, it, it was, again, the mall. It, it was a the mall had had become a very significant figure. Uh, the mall, sorry, the mall defence uh, had become a very significant significant figure. Um, it's something that I'm going to look into over the summer if I can get a hold of the games. Um, go back and look at how many how many mall tries did we actually concede? Was this scored- just before or just after? Where they got into this? I think it's just before they got into this. The referees started to penalise the block. And I think this is before that because I think it's the just just before because it, it happens in Cardiff because it, it doesn't happen against Dragons because Dragons scored three tries where it's complete illegal mauling. We set up to defend in a certain way, and if that we needed, we almost needed them to acquiesce to how we wanted to defend, and teams just didn't do that. So when we seem to be seem to just completely fall apart. We, but I mean, it, again, a bit like the 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 the, the concern, This was not something that was new. Weirdly, I thought our mall defence was so much better than say it was maybe two or three years ago, but it's still an issue. Well, the one the one thing is is that if when when you're defending in a mall, there is a number of different ways you can do it. But at the end of the day, it comes down to every being on, everybody being on the same page and mm. getting it right. Like it, it's small margins. Say if the, I guess there's there's two ways of doing it. You can uh, defend it with power and try and push them back, or you can try and sack it and kill kill them all before it even begins. And um, I know there's been times where I'm screaming on the TV, it's like, can we not just try something different? We're going up against a bigger pack, a stronger pack, a heavier pack. And if they get set, it's nearly impossible to stop them because we just don't have the same power to, to match that. So why not? We, why don't we try the sack? And we did try it a couple of times. I know um, Sean Masterson did try it early on in the season and it, and it worked for him. I think that was against Benetton a couple of times. If, if if everyone's not on the same page and if you miss your timing, it, it can be very difficult to kind of stop them all. I wondered over then if you're going to look at those tries, how many of the lineouts came from penalties? That would be another thing to look at. How many of those rolling more were, were penalties given away? They allowed them to kick into 22 and they then scored. 
they then scored from their own mall because it's 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 part of a bigger equation about the defense as a whole. And I think it was driving this is another thing that started about was it was starting to drive the coaches nuts. And it was every week we were talking about discipline and we were talking about more defense and inconsistency as well. So three things became perennial questions at every news conference every week. Mm. What's the, why the inconsistency? What's going on with the, um, the more defense and why are you giving away so many penalties? And ultimately, I don't think the guys were able to answer that because it was not something you could easily answer. Well, I think they, they might. I think they have. You know, as we look at the end of the season, they they did start to get the all defence right near the end of the season. I, I, um, well, I'm back to look at the Ospreys. Look at the game at the weekend. There was, it was the that epitome of the season. Great, some great mall defence, some terrible mall defence. But, but yeah, that that comes back to my point of everybody being on the same page and getting everything right. It, it, the mall is something that you know, if if you can if you get something so something small wrong. Because a mall can move in different directions, they can just fire to that side if someone on the right hand side isn't isn't defending as well. It's it's a very complex thing. But did you um, was it was when you sent out the you, you've tweeted out the video that looked at the first um, Osprey's mall try from the weekend, and mm. it's a very small thing that I wouldn't it, I wouldn't have seen it because of where I was because it was on the opposite side to me, mm-hmm. and it's only I probably would, even on TV I wouldn't have seen it. But once it gets pointed out to you, the slip by Olsen. Um, where he loses his feet, suddenly it makes everything else that happens after that so much clearer. Yep, and that, that's 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 exactly the the kind of thing that, like you know, if everybody's not on point, I guess it's like it's it, it's another version of a scrum. You know, if if you pack down as a scrum and you know your uh, your second row slips or something, that scrum is going down. You know, or something like that. It, it it's just a everybody has to be on the same page and there's so little room for error that that analysis comes from from uh, ek rugby analysis on twitter you can yeah. you can follow him at, at ek underscore rugby he's really good at some fabulous stuff if you want to learn more and more about the game i couldn't i couldn't point you out a better guy on twitter to um to spot things simple little things like that that make help people understand the game a bit more because it's a heck of a complicated game uh, can i also if we're gonna talk guys up can i make recommend squidge Squidge looks looks at the wider picture, um, and he was very good. He was the guy that pointed out that he's the guy whose video about why has Gatlin picked Skies for the back row that he's picked and why has he picked the centres that he's picked. It's a brilliant video. Go watch that. It explains why. Yeah. It explains for the, for the Dowgers. It explains why Gatland has picked them. Yeah, he's at Squidge Rugby on Twitter. Now we're up to we're up to a winning streak, having gone through mm. something of a losing streak with only one win in between. Heck of a win that it was against Leinster and. It's always worth mentioning and re-mentioning that. We had a bit of a winning streak, which we normally do this time of year because the Six Nations is in full flow and Connacht tend to do well around February match time. Mm. Yeah, um, the first game is the, the Dragons game. Um, Dan has pointed out previously about the, how we got mauled over the line three times. All three tries scored. But Richard Hibbert gets a hat-trick against you. You know, you know you've been mauled. <laughs> Um, but it was a weird game because you took their mall out of it and we absolutely closed down everything else that they had. But we gave away city penalties. We allowed them back into the game. I mean, it, was, it was another game that epitomised the season. What we did well, we did really well and we did get a bonus point win. But that one, we made it too easy for, for teams. And this was a prime example of that. This was a limited thing. Now, I, you know, I... I had a chance to see them more because of my connections to Wales. I thought they're a limited team. They don't know what to do in attack. And when they got the third round, thinking, that's all they have, lads. How are we so bad at defending us? And that was, that has always been one of my big bugbears with Connacht is that 
we have to work so hard and the stuff and the training that goes into us to create our tries is 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 exemplary but it requires a lot of work and then give away a penalty kick to the corner maul over bang you know rugby is a very simple game and we just made it simple for teams and this was a yeah. prime example of that it was but we won and we got a bonus point. And then we beat Cardiff, <laughs> which is a team we don't normally get to win against because we, we seem that to struggle with them. And then and then we absolutely nicked one terribly against Benetton when Bundy the came Car- on. Can I, can I say the Cardiff game is another one of these games I'm really struggling to remember. Yeah, there's a lot of that. You know, I think a lot of people have that sort of thing. It, it feels like there's been about four seasons in one. I think this was the last... This was this was the game where we didn't know when the next game was. Yes, yes. Yeah, the rearranged Benetton game, and then we just didn't have a clue when the next game was going to be after that rearranged game. Yeah, yeah. yeah because they, of, they were they were still messing around with this Rainbow the Cup. Rainbow Cup. We weren't sure what was happening with the Rainbow Cup and whether it was happening or many games was going to be whether we were going to South Africa or not. And it was blindly obvious we weren't going to South Africa. But you know, let's bring the Rainbow Cup into it in a few minutes' time. Um, let's let's finish off. So we we've we've done that. We've nicked the we've nicked the win against Benetton, and then we get into the one of our best displays of the season because we went down to Munster and and could have won that game it was the it was the performance level you were looking at going yeah we are competing with this this was a full on monster side um, we competed with them we stood toe to toe with them and, and you know did really well and then against Edinburgh in the next game we were we were flying it looked as though the game was there and you know we'd moved it on and we were dominating the game it was just a matter we didn't quite score enough but that's okay we were still going to win this game and they came back and nicked it off us and then the Scarlets like that was the most Probably the most bizarre surreal. game. That game, of, that that was that was the most. I mean, I've never seen. There's a couple, of games, there's a couple of games when we've kind of been lulled into a false sense of security, and we've kind of switched off and allowed a team that was out of the game to come back into it. And that was the prime example. They were buried at halftime, yeah. and yet somehow they end up winning and winning well. That was a shocker. That was that was. You know, you went from being ecstatic that this team seems to be coming together and we're, we really are a competitive side now, having been really competitive against Munster, silly silly mistake against Edinburgh, and then we go to, to Scarlets and, and really put it up to them, scoring some fantastic tries, then to just completely and utterly fall apart. Not good. Do, do, yeah, look, we, in we, that we, one, there was, I do think in that one, there was a question, there was a question about whether or not a different referee would have sent off someone. Mm-hmm. And I think that. That would have been interesting, but you know, it still doesn't explain how we just didn't show up in the second half when we went home at half time. Yeah, we, we we went home at half time, but I'd say a lot of guys had their eye on a week later, was it two weeks because it's stupid season, but Leicester. Guys could have just uh, been thinking about, you know, half time, look, we've we we're we're miles ahead here, we we can shut off, we can start thinking about um our quarter final in the champions in the challenge cup against Leicester. And yeah, Scarlets came I, back I, and at that, at that point, of course, the thing that the other issue there was at that point they needed to win more for your for Champions Cup next year. We didn't. We did. We'd already yeah. done it. I think. I think weirdly, I think that was probably a problem by the time we, you know, we didn't have that little bit of an extra prod or a little bit the extra bit of needle that we needed. You know, there is something on the line, and we did kind of that thing about holding on and, and hanging in there. That kind of disappeared after the Munster game for for a while. And mm. we kind yep. of and I Very think that was I think that once the once we'd achieved our goals, there was and this will annoy the management and, and, and coaching ticket heavily was 
there was just a little lack of motivation. Hence, we lose to Edinburgh. Hence, we just completely disappear in the second half to the Scarlets. And, you know, it did. It continued on after that as well. Well, it did because we had this Leicester game. We had this, you know, and again, another, as a, as a fan, speaking as a fan, huge frustration that the first time we ever get to play Leicester in a competitive match is in a time when nobody can travel and you don't get to, to get to the Citadel that is Welford Road. Um, and then they, they did the Leicester thing. They absolutely played Leicester rugby and, and really hammered us. Um, it wasn't quite typical. I see, I still have Leicester, the ABC club in my head. And I think that yeah, was yeah. slightly, I think that'd be a slightly unfair to a very exciting young backline they're developing out there. Now, I think the uh, yeah, but it was the forwards who bet us up. <laughs> you know, you can talk about their, but, but their forwards hammered us. Yeah, and I think that's, that, that is a worrying sign. Is done. This is why I wonder, sometimes I wonder, is, is Champions Cup really worth it? Because every time we play an English team, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't even have to matter if we're, we're playing at the sports ground or, or, or across the water. We always get beaten up. I mean, we got beaten up by Bristol. We got beaten up by Leicester. We've been beaten up in the past by by everybody. Sale. I think Sale bet us up. Uh, Exeter bet us up. Um, but then, but then, but then, what we get? We get a, We get this this new competition, this Rainbow Cup competition, where we're allowed. You know, where we decide we're going to throw some of these younger guys in. We're going to give these younger fellas their head, and you get the likes of Niall Murray and I think injuries may have been the fact. Well, not not necessarily, not not all the time. Um, you know, to get in, I think injuries are a factor. I think staying in was down to the fact they got their opportunity. Yes, they got. No, that's what I was going to say. There seems to be a changing of the guard because Murray played four in a row in those, and then Prendergast played three in a row, even though other guys were available. Um, and then Boyle was in in and out. No. With Moraine, no, there wasn't other guys available. Yeah, but you, they they could have easily put, like, as Owen Masters had done earlier on in the season, mm-hmm. he could have just dropped in there as well because he was the more experienced head, but they decided that Murray has shown enough but that, to, that, to that give him a chance. That, remember, at that time as well, Jared Butler was out, um, was out suspended, and Paul Boyle was injured. Injured, yeah. yeah. So, so there was that, again, but he, he, he did hold on to the jersey. Right to the end, as did Prendergast. Prendergast comes in and plays three games in a row, and, and they hold on to it. Well, and that's Boyle... what I'm saying. But I mean, we need to establish this. It wasn't like they just. So it wasn't so much a changing of the guard in terms of right this side. We've nothing to lose. Let's play the case. It was a case of right. We're down numbers. Let's play these guys. But then their performances meant they were. Yes. They, no way could you drop them. Yes. No, absolutely. I, I, I would argue that Murray was both. You couldn't drop him, and anyway, mm-hmm. there was no one to replace him with. But Prendergast different. You could have replaced him, but he was playing too well to drop him. Yes, yeah, exactly. And then young Oshin Dowling coming on and, and making big impressions when he came on the field as well. And if you look at the two games that Sean Masterson was involved in, they were the two wins. They were the Munster and, and Ospreys winning thing. And he came on and, OK, he gave a silly penalty away at the weekend. But other than that, the energy that he brings to a, to the team is, is phenomenal. And these guys don't have any fear. And it's... It's great to see, and if you look at it, just and, and just you know, we talk about the consistency and inconsistency between. If you look at the first game of the season against Glasgow and the last one against Ospreys, the backline was roughly the same. There wasn't a huge amount of difference in the backline. Farrell was injured, so he was replaced by Daly. Um, Porch was rested and Mutton had come in, so he then he got Ben O'Donnell. But the rest of it are all the same. Marmion for Blade, I count that as the same thing. Marmion and Blade, Blade Marmion, they came, they swap each other around, but the pack. The starting pack from the start of the season only had one player still there at the end of the season, and that was Butler. Butler. Everyone um, else was either injured or rested or 
you know, so so if you're looking at so Dennis is obviously injured. The two mm-hmm. locks were probably injured. Mm-hmm. Well, Finley was given a rest because Finley's exhausted. Yeah, they've had hookers are really. Inter- I would argue I'd not hooker and scrum after the two positions. I'd argue after the course of the season, I don't know who's number one. Yeah, I would argue with hooker, hooker because I think there's a case to be made for both Blade and Marmion, and a case both to be made for Delahunt and Heffernan. And, and I think Delahunt has, has come on in leaps and bounds because at the start of the season it was Heffernan without you know without oh, a shadow yeah. of a doubt. Whereas now, it, and, and, we, and weirdly, it's one of those things again. You get picked for Ireland, and it does your club. It does you no good at club level. Absolutely. Well, certainly, certainly from this part of the world, anyway. <laughs> but, anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, but you're still looking at a, You know, we had a. We went back to what we started the season. What we went one win loss, win loss, win loss. This is how we started yeah. the season, and and let's hope that we can fix that issue um so that was the sort of the season in games and and you know i enjoyed i have to say enjoyed the the rainbow cup mainly because of, of what we saw with these young lads coming in and, and one guy i think danny wants to talk about now is is someone we haven't mentioned of the young the young guns that have come through is young peter sullivan yeah peter sullivan is really kind of taking his chance he i think he struggled a little bit at the start of the season with the defense but i think Wooden did as well like there's in preparation for this, I tried to go back over as many of those uh, three-minute god-awful highlight reels that Pro 14 That's put terrible. out. They're awful. Like, either show us a proper highlight reel or Two. don't show Two. us anything. No, Sullivan started, he had 16 appearances for us this season. Um, oh. 10 starts. Um, and one of his things is that I, I believe he scored, he, like, he just knows how to score a try. He's in the right place at the right at the right time. While his defense it was questionable at the start of the season, he's slowly gotten better and better, as yeah. expected. With his um, first try, his first try is a mall. Yeah, yes. rolling mall, yeah, which is excellent. <laughs> but the other thing about Sullivan is that, and I don't think we gave it enough credit at the weekend. That finish from Carty's brilliant pass. I know it yeah. bounced, but that was fine. The pass was just because Carty got mullered as he just after he made that pass, but, you know, to see that there was space out wide, but the speed at which Sullivan took off and, and went past three three guys, three Ospreys, was phenomenal. Like, I didn't realise he was that quick. I knew he was a big, well, strong lad, but that was that was speed as well as power. He was Remember, he was coming up in one of the top performers last season with the Eagles. Those guys that really did stand out. And we need to, to say that Pete Sullivan had a very good season last season. So did Shawnee Masterson. Um, this year... The outstanding player has been Keane Brendergast. And it is you can if you play well for the Eagles, you can get into the into the first team. And I mean it's good to the team because previous to this, you could have a storming game for the Eagles and not get close to the first team. And you could, you know, I mean, well, it, it I seems to be a demotion. It, 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 players players who drop down from the first to the Eagles, they never seem to get their they, they did seem to think it was a little bit of a demotion. And there's been none of that certainly in the last 18 months to two years. But that's an attitude change. And yeah, Lindy, Lindy's talked about it, but that these guys are now training full-time together. That changes everything. Um, like, when, when guys are playing and training against each other and with, with the management showing that if you're, if you're training well and you're playing well for the Eagles, if a guy messes up in the first team or isn't playing well as out of some form, you're going to get replaced. So that just shows guys that like you know there there is something worth fighting for here it'll up everything in training and then you get better games because of that 
Well, the eight the eight guys are in the under twenty squad have all played for the Eagles this year. Now the Butler hasn't played as much, and and the likes of Cameron uh, McCormick and Hubert Cavari have been coming on. But actually, McCormick has been a regular starting six and seven. Um, the two the two lads in the centre, Ford and Jennings, have regularly started together. One of Ford Ford has, has often started with with Sean O'Brien. Jennings has been on the wing, but they've played together as well. But they've had a chance to play with to train with the senior team and play with guys like Conor Fitzgerald has played in most of these games. That's a great thing for somebody like uh, Cole Ford. Have someone like Conor, who's not that much older than him in terms of age, but in terms of experience, he's way ahead. Yeah, and then you're looking at the coaches who are coming up from the Eagles, um, Mossy Lawler and Collie Tucker, who are you know being promoted into the senior coaching thing. They've brought these guys through and these guys come through with an attitude that they are good enough and they, they, they believe they can play at this level. Um, you look at, at young Oren McNulty in in the first game against Edinburgh had a chance to maybe possibly get us a win at the very end and, and made a made a mistake of what he tried to do. But in, in the next game against Leinster he was brilliant. Mm. And and that comes from a self belief that uh, you know, that's the coaches help bring along and so we could we could be seeing an awful lot more of these young guys coming through. Okay, we've lost nine guys, but I'm assuming that a lot of those guys are going to be replaced by these academy players and we seem to be producing really good academy players these days. I think our back row strength in the academy is off the wall. It is insane the amount of back rows we're producing. I mean, um there's guys we like I mean there's the under twenty guys, but there's guys like Kieran Booth who's been huge for the Eagles and he's really a six a bit like Prendergast. So he's another one we should keep keeping an eye on. And in all of this, we should mention that we did beat, we drew with Ulster, we drew with Munster, and we bet Leinster in the Eagles games now at, at, at um, in the sports grant. And, you know, we don't beat Leinster enough at any level for us not to celebrate the fact that we did beat Leinster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what I want to, yeah, I was bringing, that's what I was talking about, the, the two lads coming up. They, they've, they've put something into that team into the Eagles team that wasn't there two or three years ago. They were, you know, they were hot and cold a couple of years back, whereas over the last two, three years, they've actually become a, a, a full-on team who believe in what they're doing. And you can see its, it's skill levels as well as attitude um, are really good. And then that's, that's feeding up into the into the whole Connick squad. So, like, I know some, some fans out there saying it was a terrible season. It was shocking. We only had eight and eight. Um, we had a, a one-loss record of, you know, we lost our three games in Europe. We only barely sort of got a three and two win loss record in in the Rainbow Cup, but for me that was a it was a pretty good season. So Danny, throw throw some stats at me there because I think I think we can we can prove that we had a, a better season than a lot of people thought. Yeah, like um, we got nine uh, try bonuses, uh, scoring sixty eight tries this season. Um, and if you go back over the last two seasons for friend, we only scored now we only had fifteen games last year, but we only scored forty one tries. Um, and the season before that, the eighteen nineteen season, we only scored sixty. So there, there is an improvement already. Now the one thing is that we did let in more tries this season than we did in those other two seasons. Um, but we are scoring more, so it'll be interesting to see how our defence coach co- comes into it next year. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's 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 a good point of which we can sort of take a a, a little break here and you know ask people to. Give their support. We're we're still going to run some podcasts over the season. We've over the over the off season because the under twenty ones are coming up, and as as Dave has mentioned already, there's a few Connacht players in there, so we'll be keeping an eye on them. Well, the by, Lions by the are. This, by the time this goes out, we'll know who's in the the squad. We don't know at the time of recording, but we will know by the time it goes out. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully, we'll have a few. There, there's certainly been a few in the 
involved in the warm-up game. So with a bit of luck, we'll have some of those guys in the under-21 squad. And we have, we also have Bundy right. playing some yep. summer rugby. With a bit of luck, we're going to have some Connacht players playing for Ireland mm-hmm. as well, which hopefully so we'll 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 do one or two podcasts as the year goes on so please you know tell your friends let them know we exist tell them that craggy rugby's out there supporting conic rugby and supporting conic players and you know Absolutely. you know follow us on twitter at craggy rugby pod um and and if you want to support us with the for the price of a cup of cup of coffee or a cup of tea or a pint you know you can always go to patreon.com slash craggy rugby and throw a few bob with us so as we can keep this sort of thing going and we'll do our best to keep you informed as to what's going on with Connacht rugby and so before we say a few thank yous i need to get a couple of things off you guys the the player who impressed you most this season i suppose the player who i've been most impressed with in a in an overall sense because what he's done on the pitch, but I've had a chance to talk to him and he's a lovely guy and he's personable and we can chat to him about, more importantly, you can chat to him comfortably about things that aren't rugby and on the pitch has been able to deliver. It improved again exponentially on last season and that's Paul Boyle. Um, I think he has been at least led. He took an awful lot of flack for what happened at the end of the Bristol game and I think the fact that he held his hands up, said he made a mistake, but he was able to kind of, you know, protect himself from that whilst, whilst not trying to, you know, whilst not trying to deflect as well his own culpability in, in making a poor decision, an on-field decision that anybody could make. And then, again, didn't let him affect his game. And as I say, off the pitch as well, a lovely bloke, but an, an, an absolute warrior on the pitch and a gentleman off the pitch. For me, the, the player that's impressed me the most is Daly. Oh, absolutely. Um, he missing one game this season. Um, like, I remember coming off last season and just Aaron, thinking... Can I, can I ask, what yeah. game did he miss? First game. First game of the season. So he's played every game since... He's been involved, yep. Wow. That's that's 21 starts and two sub-appearances. Very consistent. Kick goals, kicks penalties. Does, just you know, Mr. Reliable. Cap- captain the team. Stepped into 10 when... Connor Fitz got injured. You know, mm. like he he is a guy for me like he he's a guy that sometimes doesn't get noticed. Now now he is like a, a lot of guys are calling for him. To, he should be included with the the Irish touring side this year. And I hope he does because he 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 bloody well earned it. You know, he he's a guy that just he's super consistent. Is always there when you need him to. Um now he he might not be your Alex Wooden scoring uh, what was it? Plus uh, two double double figure tries this season, but he's he'll, he'll fill in anywhere. He just he he'll die for you as well. He's he's just always there when you need him. I think the the thing I want to add is Tom Daly has proved an awful lot of people wrong, and I think I know we'd include Connick supporters there. And we yeah, I'll hold my hand the, up. We, I, we I wasn't sure about, about him. We thought it was. Mm-hmm. We thought to be fair, I thought he was an in, I, I thought he was injury prone. I thought he was a stopgap, and it is lovely to be proven wrong by somebody like Tom Daly. Brilliant to see, and I think again, consistency of selection and faith from his coaches have allowed him. And yeah, I doubted him, and admits he doubted him. We 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 were wrong, and I'm more than delighted to say, yep, got that wrong. Yeah, there's, there's nothing better than being proven wrong by a guy like that. Absolutely. So now we're coming we're coming near the end uh, end of this pod. Um we we have to definitely have a word about um 
Jimmy Duffy and Nigel Carroll and leaving guys who've been there for a heck of a long time. Now we we did more in depth ones, you know, earlier on of their announcements, but it's still worth mentioning that these guys are going to be missed in a big, big way, and it's going to be fascinating to see how the team moves on, you know, without the two guys who've been there for so long. Um, and certainly going to be missed. And I know that the person who's going to miss them out of our group, the person who's going to miss them most is probably William because like he, <laughs> he got on so well with them and, and, you know, got some great interviews with them for the, the coaches meeting. So um, we'll certainly, we'll certainly miss Jimmy and Nigel and we, we wish them all the best and whatever their ventures are being, maybe we'll get to chat to them over the summer. If once we find out what they're doing and if they have time, we can, of course, the joys of one of the, one of the only joys of, of the whole COVID thing is that, you can do Zoom calls with anybody, anywhere, and everyone knows how to do it now. <laughs> it was something that was almost impossible to get people to do before the COVID scenario, whereas now it's something that you can go and get to talk to anyone. So hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to those guys. The one, one thing on that is like, uh, I'm very thankful for them um, and for what they've done. Like they, There's a number of Connick players that are senior players there now that would have been brought through by them. Um, but for me, it's going to be very interesting to see how the new guys get on will will they be able to leave something similar will they be able to do something similar with their crop of uh, eagles guys coming through because i think they they both left they've definitely left connacht in a better position than when they started which is you know you can only commend them for yeah absolutely that's all you can ask for that's all you can ask for and of course we have to mention that something we we forgot to mention there andy signed on for two more years this will be his longest the start to next season will be the longest he's ever spent at any given club so what a what a boost for connacht to have you know a, a really top quality coach there willing to stay with us and 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 sees and you can see through the, the rainbow cup and and how we were playing apart from the leinster game that um you know that minutes was fine yeah, first twenty minutes was okay. Yeah, um, and, <laughs> just okay. We won't go back into that though, please. No, no let's not go back there. Nightmares again. Um, but yeah, you know, there's, there's obviously, you know, he sees a lot of youth, and he sees he's he's someone who's not afraid to give youth its head. And now he's got these new coaches coming through, so it's certainly going to be fascinating to see how they they all get on. Um, okay, thank you guys, and no problem. You know, this is our end of season pod, but we will have we will have some more and. You know, thanks to everyone and all our other contrib- uh, contributors. You've got William and Lindley and Rob, who hosts mostly post-match ones, um, and Packy, who was supposed to be here tonight, but then was late cry-off, so we we missed out on on what he's his thoughts on the season, which is a bit unfortunate. But I'm sure we'll get to hear them um, throughout the year. And there's a couple more people I'd like to say special thanks to. Um, the podcast couldn't exist without Galway Bay because they 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 get us into the games they get you know get us access to the players and whatever because as a podcast it's very difficult to get the sort of access we we get um whereas a radio station gives us that and a special thanks to Damien Burke in there who's the, techn- te- the technology wizard who makes sure everything works from that point of view so huge thanks to him for his contributions and John Mulligan of course who gets us all the the match day um audio that we can get and play and put into the podcast so you know big thanks to John you'll always hear John in the background in, in the match day podcast when we're doing our updates you can hear him calling out the scores and whatever um, and then in TG Cahar we wouldn't have been able to do any away games if it hadn't been for Neil Keevney um, in TG and TG Cahar and the people out there and the uh, the engineers out there for setting up a brilliant setup for us to allow us to get to those games and then do our post-match podcasts and, and you know having access to ref links um, and the final one I want to thank is Stephen in Connacht, the 
the man who who started the season when wasn't sure exactly what was going on because nobody was sure exactly what was going on. But by the end of it, was was getting us all sorts of weird and wonderful places to do our post-match press conferences, especially when away from home. I think one of them was on, he had the laptop on the on the top of a bin at the back of a stadium because it was the only place he could get decent a decent connection to the 4G network. Um, the point out, we should also send our commiserations to Stephen, he lost a very good laptop during the course of the year. Yes, and that's Stephen Long, by the way, sorry, just, just in case people <laughs> know who it is. It's, it's um, Yes, and that that Got, managed to recover that too. Managed to recover from that disaster, and you know, losing a laptop in a, in, a, in a Zoom only world is is not particularly brilliant. But always managed to find a way to do things. So huge thanks to to Stephen for all his help and work throughout the year, and thank you too, guys, as well. So yeah, we will be back. There won't be as many podcasts. I think we've done we've done seventy six, seventy seven. I think it's a seventy podcast, seventy seven of the season. So. We do try and get as much information out to the Connacht fans as we can and um, as I say, tell people about us. The more people we have listening, the better as far as we're concerned. And with a bit of luck, we'll be doing some podcasts from the likes of Murty Rabbits and places like that next season as the pubs open and then definitely from, you know, in the sports ground with fans because of all the things that I found most frustrating this year, I thought it was going to be brilliant being in watching the games live, but watching games without fans just is no fun. It really isn't. And you just really, really miss the fans and, and hope to get to chat to everybody on the clan stand when it opens again everything going well in sort of September, October time, whenever we, we get our first home game of the season. So thanks folks. And um, we'll chat to you over the summer. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes. Sad and confused. Don't wait until